0: Locked on Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to a special crossover edition of Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Blues. Just quickly wanted to thank everyone for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. And also wanted to remind everyone that you can listen to Lockdown Blues or Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the video version of each episode free of charge on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Jack Bushman, joined today by Josh Hyman from Lockdown Blues as we have yet another Central Division crossover ahead of the 2022-2023 regular season. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today, man. Really appreciate it. How you doing this afternoon? And how you feeling as we start to close in on the regular season here, brother?
1: Oh, I'm doing well. I'm so excited for, for hockey to start. As um, much as I love baseball, you know, it's, it's, it's always tough when baseball is the only sport going. It's not as exciting. Football has been good, but but hockey's my true love. I'm so, so excited to get the season going. It's going to be an exciting one.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really stoked. And hey, this month of October is going to be extra exciting for you as the Cardinals look like they're going to be making a run potentially in uh, the playoffs (laughs) while my Chicago Cubs have been eliminated since basically the day the season started. So October should make for a pretty fun month for you. But yeah, man.
1: Pujols chasing 700 too. It's it's great stuff.
0: It's got me watching Cardinals games. And I'm like looking in the mirror wondering who I am. But I, I want to see Albert Pujols get that record. In all honesty, I mean... How cool would that be for, for him to hit 700 and back with the Cardinals, of course, like it's just such a storybook ending that even a Cubs fan is watching from afar. But as you mentioned, I'm definitely super stoked for hockey season as well. Hockey's my baby. And um, man, we're, we're just a couple of weeks away here. Preseason games. There's actually a game between the Blackhawks and the blues, not too far away. So yes, yeah, man, the, the grind is about to start here. Um, but Josh, between our two teams, it's a, uh, probably going to be a tale of two very different seasons with the Blackhawks looking at the bigger picture ahead and embarking on a real rebuild this time while the St. Louis Blues of course are gearing up for another run towards the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, For segment one here we can start by talking about the St. Louis Blues and an outlook on this upcoming season and then for segment two can flip it over to you and uh, we'll wrap things up with a little fun segment three but the first question I have for you today, Josh, is what do you make of the St. Louis Blues offseason? Because from afar, at least, looks like they didn't make a whole lot of major moves. You know, they traded Ville uh, lose David Perron. Um, they, they added a couple of death pieces. They added Tomas Grice. Uh, overall, are, are you happy with this offseason? Are you uh, upset that maybe more didn't happen? How do you kind of break it all down?
1: Yeah, I'd say overall, I'm happy with the offseason. I think the Blues are relying a lot on in-house growth from guys, especially like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, giving out those big extensions, which I'm thrilled about. Um, Kind of a transitional year for the Blues in the sense that they're going to be right up against the cap next season, and they don't have a ton of players' sides. So I think the team's going to look very different next season than it does this season. Um, but that doesn't mean that this season is sort of like they're punting it away. I think they have a very competitive roster. I think they did a really good job of shoring up that bottom six, which was something that was a little, a little bit of a, a carousel last year. They didn't have a true identity on that fourth line, sometimes the third line as well. And that's one of the the needs that they addressed with smaller moves, bringing in guys like Josh Levo, Nolichari, uh, Martin Furk, you know, uh, so it's going to be a competitive bottom six, which I'm excited about. Um, they re-signed Nick Letty for a couple years, which it is what it is. You know, he's a solid defenseman. He's nothing special, um, but he, he fills out the top four. But what I'm most excited about is to see the growth from the guys that we already know, you know, what they're capable of. Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Ivan Barbashev had a huge 20 plus goal season last year. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can build on that. Um, it's going to be a fun year, you know, similar roster to last season minus David Perron uh, and minus Billy Huso. But you know, the blues were two wins away from from taking down the Colorado avalanche and If Binnington stayed healthy, I've maintained that they could have done it if the chips fell in the right direction. So I'm looking forward to seeing them build off of that, come into the season with a bit of a chip on their shoulder and contend for the top spot in the Central.
0: Yeah, the Blues gave the Colorado Avalanche as good of a run as anybody did. I mean, they were, you know, seconds away from forcing overtime in that game six, and who knows how the rest of the series goes. But uh, one thing you did reference is that this team could potentially – look different come this time next year. And one thing I noticed when I was looking at uh, the Blues cap friendly is not only will be will Vladimir Tarasenko, this is the final year of his contract, but it's also the final year of Captain Ryan O'Reilly's current deal. And I wanted to ask you about, about that a little bit. Like, Do you expect Factor to be back in St. Louis next year? They have a lot of money given out long-term, like, especially with Robert Thomas Mm -hmm. and Jordan Kyrou's deals kicking in next year. Is there going to be enough room for Ryan O'Reilly? What's kind of your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think I've talked about this on every single crossover I've done. I'm going to try to phrase it a little (laughs) differently. So my, so my listeners don't hear me say the exact same things, but it's definitely a thought that's come through my mind. And the way that I look at it, I'm going to try, I'm going to lay it out objectively. Ryan O'Reilly is getting up there in age a little bit. He has shown a little bit of regression, but he is still a tremendous player. He's making seven and a half million. I would expect he'd want around the same, if not maybe a little bit of a pay cut. But the, the big thing to me and the thing that I have to keep reminding myself and sort of trying to mentally prepare is the last two Blues captains, Blues fans have convinced themselves that they're coming back. Dave, uh, David Backus and Alex Petrangelo. No way they'd let them walk. No way they would leave. They just got named captain similar to Ryan O'Reilly. And then off season comes around, both of them leave. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen, but I think it's more likely than a lot of people think in the sense that, oh, there's no way, you know, O'Reilly came in and won a Stanley Cup, Selkie, Conn Smythe, all that stuff. He racked up the hardware in that cup run year. And he is probably maybe the best thing to happen to the blues in, in the modern era in the sense that I think he really propelled them to win a cup. I mean, he look, he he tied a record set by Wayne Gretzky scoring in five consecutive Stanley Cup final games. Like The Blues do not win that cup without him. Um, Tremendous, tremendous move. Best trade in my Blues fandom history by far. But they have 13 players signed for this next season, and they're already close to $70 million with those 13 players. So that is at minimum nine more players they need to bring in with $20 million of cap space. And if you're given close to half of that cap space to Ryan O'Reilly, you're making it really difficult. Do I want it to happen more than anything? I want Ryan O'Reilly to retire a member of the St. Louis Blues, but just looking at the roster, looking at cap friendly, unless some other dominoes fall, I'm not sure how realistic it is. Then again, you know, Doug Armstrong's a wizard. We could see some trades happen. O'Reilly come back in for a little bit less money. I think it's possible, but I think there's a realistic scenario where the Blues have a new captain next season.
0: Man, that's that's crazy to hear, especially because – well, O'Reilly did, you know, have, I think, some offensive struggles in the regular season last year. His game is built for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that came alive 100%. this year as well when the Blues were alive. Like he looked back 100%. like the Ryan O'Reilly from when they won the Stanley Cup, making an impact each and every game on both ends of the ice. So that's definitely going to be an interesting scenario to watch from afar as another St. Louis Blues con- uh, captain is-, is dealing with the contract situation. Um, the last question I wanted to ask for ask you today, Josh, is uh, one that I've been asking Blues fans for quite a while. I went to college at, at Mizzou, so I, I've dealt with I've dealt with Blues fans for a long, long time. And it's true now, as it was in 2015 before the Blues won the Cup. I always told Blues fans, "Listen, this team's good. I believe in this team. They have a lot of pieces. I think, but you're not going to get anywhere without a goaltender." And then Jordan Bennington comes alive in the playoffs. Obviously, he gets that deal. And, you know, he's had flashes recently in the the past couple of seasons, but I feel like he hasn't been able to – Consistently put it together, at least at the level we saw when the Blues hoisted the Stanley Cup. How do you feel about the netminder position moving forward? Because as we've already referenced, to trade Villy Huso, who looked really good at times last year, and now it's the Jordan Bennington show once again, and she still has five years left on that current deal. Do you feel confident in Bennington, or are you worried? What's the overall feeling about the St. Louis Blues goaltender position heading into this year?
1: I'm confident in the sense that. I think this is a big make or break year for him. Uh, Billy Huso gets traded, like you mentioned, and they bring in Thomas Grice, who, you know, he's nothing special, no offense to him if he's listening, which <laughs> uh, he's got better things to do. But this is the time, the, the first time that Jordan has really had a true backup, you know? He was he was lucky enough to have Billy Huso step up and basically be the starter down the stretch. And Blues don't make the playoffs without Billy Huso um, as their de facto starter last season. Uh and Jordan Bennington had that safety net and he doesn't have that anymore. You know, if 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 he struggles again and they need to turn to Thomas Grice for more than like 30 games, you know, 35, 40 games, they're not gonna make the playoffs. In my in my honest opinion, I don't think that Thomas Grice is a goalie that is capable of, you know, winning enough games like that because he's brought in as a backup. But the other thing that what I think a lot of people didn't notice is how good Jordan Biddington was in that Colorado series before he got injured. I had not seen Jordan Biddington play that good of hockey since the Stanley cup finals, or just that entire playoff run in general, he finally looked like he had gotten back to that level uh, heading into his first playoff start. I think he was like, zero nine in his previous playoff games heading into that and had struggled in the regular season. And it really felt like if he struggled in those playoffs, like who knows what was going to happen His name was in trade rumors and he came in all the pressure in the world, best team in the NHL. And he really made it look like he could have stolen that series. I maintain that they were getting outplayed in every single game, even the games that they won. But the reason why they won those games is Jordan Binnington. And there are a few goalies on the planet that can steal you games against any team in the playoffs, much less the Colorado Avalanche, who have a Harlem Globe Globetrotters level offense. <laughs> so, not only did he play that well, he gets injured from Nazem Kadri, who he hates, because like who doesn't? Um, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. He he relies on his confidence. He relies on you know he likes getting getting booed by the opposing fans. He he really thrives in in that sort of scenario. And he's coming to the next season. He's angry. He got hurt. He knows he he probably thinks he he would have won the Sandy cup if he stayed healthy. Cause that's the type of guy that he is. And I think he's going to come into this next season with, with a fire lit under him more so than he ever has. I think, I don't want to say he coasted after the cup run, but the pressure was never the same after that. He won the cup, you know, pressures off from that sense. But next year, I think he knows backup, true backup behind him. He's got to be the guy and he's going to take that. He's going to ride with it. I have him as a, as a, maybe a, a sneaky, um, um Vesna candidate this year. I, uh, I, I've said that. I've said that once or twice. I think if he can play the level of hockey that he played in the Colorado series for a full regular season, which, you know, that's a big, if he could be a Vesna candidate.
0: Yeah. We know what type of game he can play when, when he's the most confident. Um, I agree. It's definitely a, a make or break season for Jordan Bennington. And I also feel like if, if he's really good, the St. Louis blues are going to be a, a wagon again and could be the team that Could upset the Colorado Avalanche out in the Western Conference. We'll we'll have to see. But, uh, Josh, thank you so much for all that insight on the St. Louis Blues before the regular season begins here in just a couple of weeks. Coming up in just a minute, folks, we'll flip it over to Josh for some Blackhawks questions. But first, got to talk to you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. It's both the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to the website today. Or you can also use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. For segment two, we're going to flip it on over to Josh and see what kind of Blackhawks questions he has for our crossover episode today. Josh, what do you got for me, brother?
1: All right. Elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> blatant tank. like, the Blackhawks are, have been the team, you know, since I started getting, really getting into hockey, like the last 10 years, Blackhawks this, Blackhawks that, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, you know, and then all of a sudden they got this loyal fan base, you know, bandwagon and diehards. If I was a Blackhawks fan, I'd feel a little disrespected that they're just completely punting the season. Like you could say, oh, you know, they're letting the young guys play, but you hear Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves' comments like, we don't agree with the direction of this season. We don't agree with the direction of this franchise. And to me, you know, you got two guys that gave you a, you know, a 10 year stretch of hockey that any hockey fan could dream of. And this is how the front office repays them by making them play with a bunch of, you know, rookies and AHLers and what might be one of their last seasons as a
0: member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Are you, are you a little pissed off? For sure. I'm, I'm definitely upset and, you know, especially with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, not only is this likely going to be their last year with the Blackhawks, and that still really hasn't even set in to me. I mean, that was my childhood. That's what got me into the game of the hockey. It's what got me to fall in love with this team. And, yeah, it's frustrating, really, that we've reached this point. But the one thing I will say is that the new regime, I I don't think they had a choice because Stan Bowman, the previous GM, let's rewind two years, Josh. The Chicago Blackhawks sent out a letter to their fan base saying they were going to go in a full-blown rebuild and that they wanted fans to be patient, but they're finally having an open dialogue with the direction of the team. And then just a summer later, Stan Bowman punts on that idea. He goes and trades for Marc-Andre Fleury, goes and trades for Seth Jones, gives up two first-round picks in the process, a young defenseman in Adam Boquist who looked really solid with the Blue Jackets, and sure, we got Seth Jones, and I like Seth Jones, but now it's not fitting what we're trying to do at all. And with the prospect pool being so limited, because the previous regime was dishing out every first round pick to try and keep the team relevant. Here we are in this, you know, in between a rock and a hard place where we're not good enough to compete on the ice. And prior to this year's NHL draft, we had one of the thinnest prospect pools in the entire NHL. So it was kind of like, what direction do we go in here? So, yeah, it's it's definitely annoying that, again, in a season that's probably going to be the last of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Keynes here in Chicago, if I had to guess, that we're blowing it on a complete rebuild and, you know, the front office isn't really even focused on winning this year. Yeah, that, that sucks, but I also think they, they didn't really have a choice, man, and if they wanted to save this team in four, five, or six years rather than, you know, another 15, 20-year drought, I think... was smart to kind of look in the mirror and realize again we're not good enough now and we don't have enough help on the way and the only way to kind of ensure that the days are going to be brighter down the road is to get as many future assets as you can build up better through the draft they also have to develop a lot better they haven't really had a player come through their ahl system and be a big impact player and forever really since they won the stanley cup so yeah, this is just kind of the reality of where the Blackhawks are at. And because the way things were handled uh, under the previous regime and for the past couple of years, Kyle Davidson was just kind of handed a mess. And I think he was going to, you know, make some fans pissed off with regardless of how he went about it. So I I personally think it's just nice to kind of know that we do have a direction because for a while there, the Blackhawks were kind of in limbo and no one really knew what they were trying to do. And now it's, very clear and evident what this rebuild is going to be like it's going to be patient it's probably going to be longer than it is shorter we're talking three four five maybe even six seven years Um, but they just want to make sure they do it right and look at the end of the day yeah people are always going to be pissed that the end of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane's careers were honestly wasted but if the Blackhawks can open up that competitive window again in five five six years and they're true contenders for you know, a handful of seasons moving forward then Kyle Davidson accomplished his job. And that's, you know, really all we can ask for, but I'm not going to lie, dude. It's, it's frustrating knowing that, yeah, the last Stanley cup that I'm going to see Patrick Kane host in a Blackhawk sweater. It's going to, it was in
1: 2015. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's good. And so I feel honestly, you've, you've almost convinced me a little bit more to be less, less angry with the front <laughs> office. And that kind of leads into my next question. Uh, Part of the reason why it kind of makes me angry is because as much as I hate the Blackhawks, I want them to be good because what's more fun than the Blues and Blackhawks rivalry? It's what got me into Blues hockey, that that playoff series during Tarasenko's rookie year, where I think the Blackhawks won in six, but Tarasenko scored seven goals in those six games and Oh, it's just so fun. So my question to you is what is your favorite moment from the blues Blackhawks rivalry of the, of the last decade? And that's a really hard question and I'm sending it to you first. because I don't even know if I know my answer.
0: That's, that's a damn good question. The first two that man, I have three that come to mind. Number one is going to be that series. You referenced Jonathan Taves game five, overtime winner to put the Blackhawks back ahead three to two going back to Chicago where they close it out in game six. That was like, a vintage moment that i'll remember forever um the the terrible blackhawks fan in me <laughs> the second thing that came to my head i'm so sorry for this uh, was brent seabrook hitting david backus <laughs> sorry it was a dirty hit 100 dirty hit but it sent oh, a message wakey and, wakey afterwards oh ugh, duncan keith hitting man. him with the wakey wakey like
1: Oh Gross. Gosh. I know. Gross. I
0: know. Blues fans flame me for that one, but that's a moment that I'll, I'll never forget forever. Uh, and Hey, because Brent Seabrook took that penalty, that's when Terrasenko scored that goal with like two seconds left in the blues won in overtime. So you have that moment, but we, we went on to win the series. The other one, uh, I've been to enterprise. Is it enterprise? Yeah. It used to be Scott trade. Now it's enterprise, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, three, four years ago, Jonathan Taves uh, had a hat trick overtime winner and I was like surrounded by blues fans and I threw my hat onto the ice house sitting in the 100 level so that was the first mm. hat trick I ever got to see live overtime winner as well um, yeah lots of good memories in this series and I, I completely agree like I actually I, I have no hatred for the St. Louis blues I hate losing to them I'm probably not going to root for y'all to win the Stanley Cup but I don't hate the st louis blues for sure and i enjoy this rivalry a lot when both teams yep. are good because i mean the blues have just been slacking the blackhawks for three or four years now and i gotta tuck it's my tail between nice. my leg it's been pretty brutal if i'm being honest
1: all right so my my i figured it out I'm, i i remember it's pretty obvious looking back at it so 2016 game seven troy brower baby he swings and misses at the first one That moment was in slow-mo when it happened in real time. Rebounds just sit in there. I could have scored it. He swings and misses on the first one, and then he puts the second one in, but that's not even my favorite moment. My favorite moment is when Brent Seabrook fired it from the point, off one post, off the other. No. And, out. and it's just like, I could feel the anguish of Blackhawks fans. Like you said, the, the, the evil Blackhawks fan, it wasn't the go ahead goal that made blues fans happy. It was the double post that made Blackhawks fans sad. It was just like, they finally slayed the demon and they didn't go on to win the cup that year, but that was, that was my Stanley cup at the time. Game seven over the Blackhawks in epic fashion, you know, it was a tie game until the final moments. Oh my God. It was so fun. I, that like, that's, up there with some of the games from the, the Stanley Cup run that the Blues went on, just because like it was so so vilifying. It was like finally these stupid Blackhawks lost and they <laughs> did it in hilarious fashion. They hit two posts. Oh, it's great. Every once in a while I'll I'll reference, I'll meme that double post thing because it's it's just so it's so great.
0: You mean the the OG double doink?
1: Yeah, the double doink. Oh,
0: uh, what's that? Oh man, that was that was a real heartbreaker. I was actually at game six of that series at the UC Ooh. when the Hawks forced seven. The last playoff victory the Chicago Blackhawks have, by the way. Lucky enough to be in attendance. It's been six wow. years, six years since they won a postseason game. They got okay. swept in they got swept in 2017 by Nashville. And the only other time they made the playoffs was the COVID bubble when they beat Edmonton. Huh. I guess they did technically defeat Vegas in one game before getting eliminated, but they shouldn't have even been in the postseason anyway. They were the 23 seed or whatever it was because 24 teams made the playoffs. But yes, last true playoff victory for the Blackhawks was game six, 2016 against the Blues. It has been a rough ride ever since then, bro. Let me tell you.
1: No kidding.
0: All right. You ready to get into our third and final segment for crossover today? For sure. So, Um, for those listening, what me and Josh are going to be doing right now is I'm going to be asking Josh, well, I guess I could just ask you, buddy. I don't have to tell the folks I can just tune in, but, um, that's true. I wanted to ask you what in your mind, honestly, and realistically would make this a successful season for the St. Louis blues. Is it Stanley cup or bust? Is it winning a playoff series, reaching the Western conference final could also just be certain players taking that next step. As you mentioned, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are kind of the new group of the blues. What, what do you think would be a successful season for St. Louis in your mind? And what couple of things do the blues need to do in order for that to be accomplished?
1: Yeah, I think there's a short-term and a long-term answer there. Uh, I think short-term It's just putting up a good playoff run. You know, it's, it's, it's tough when you're in the same division as the Colorado Avalanche. Like you could be the second best team in the NHL. You can have a 110 point season like the blues did last year. Uh, And if you run into the Colorado Avalanche, it's just like, you know, you you happen to catch what is, what is going to, in my mind, be the next dynasty of the NHL. I, I have them, I predict them to go back to back this this upcoming year they're just so darn good so like I can't say Stanley Cup or bust do I think the Blues could win a Stanley Cup absolutely you know if 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 they get lucky because every team's got to get lucky to win the Stanley Cup maybe Colorado goes out early maybe they maybe Jordan Binnington stays healthy and steals the series against Colorado or heck maybe the Blues just get that much better and beat Colorado but realistically you know it's tough with a team like that in your division, I think a deep playoff run is something that the blues should be proud of. Uh, But in terms of long-term it's Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas showing that they can be the face of this team moving forward. Uh, They got big, big contracts. Both of them are going to be signed until the 2030s, which I can't even conceive of looking at a calendar and seeing 2030. But if they come out next year and are the best two players on the team, which they're getting paid, like they should be the best two players on the team uh I'm going to be so excited for this team moving forward you know it's it's not that I don't love this current core but having a new core and also not having to really rebuild too much for it is very exciting and few teams get to experience that and if uh even you know like the Blackhawks they were the best team in the NHL for a while and now they're probably going to be maybe the worst team in the NHL so <laughs> if the blues can go out and prove that they have a young core that is capable of bridging the gap between the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world. And now the Jordan Kairo's and Robert Thomas is I'm going to be so stoked moving forward. I think that would be almost more of a success than a deep playoff run. If Jordan Kairou and Robert Thomas can come out and put up, you know, point per game again, and just show that they're the guys, because you know what, if they do that, the blues are probably going to go on a deep playoff run. And then the other, one other thing is Jordan Bennington proving he can stick around this team as a starter, because I think if those two things happen, if Thomas and Kairou take over as the guys for this team and Jordan Bennington has a full season of of being a, a starting caliber goalie, which isn't even that much to ask, you know, he could be elite or he could just be pretty good and that'll be enough to, to make the blues have a really, really successful season.
0: Yeah. I think it's really key. This was kind of a similar situation how I felt with Minnesota because they're constricted financially due to the buyouts of Zach Parise and Ryan Seward going up where it's going to be really beneficial for this team. If that next wave can come in and take over. We know what Cairo and Thomas are obviously already able to do in comparison to a, a Matt Boldy or a Marco Rossi in Minnesota. Right. But if they really solidify that, Hey, we're the top guys here. We're getting paid, you know, fairly. This is the type of player that we are. Um, I think that's just going to be so much easier for St. Louis to kind of accept the reality moving forward, potentially losing Ryan O'Reilly. I think it's going to be able, it's going to lead to blues fans in the organization it's going to soften the blow a little bit and not feel as bad if you can really believe these two guys are are it in the faces of the franchise in the future.
1: Yep, absolutely. You couldn't have explained it better. It could be a a tumultuous off season, but it could also be in this exciting in the sense that the the keys are getting handed to a a different group of players. You know, the blues do a pretty thin prospect pool as well, but they got a couple guys that I'm excited about, you know, Jake neighbors, um, Zach Bolduck, uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, who they just drafted this year. They got some exciting guys that I think would, would fit the timeline as well. So like I said, it, it, it's a short and a long-term goal for this upcoming season. And if, if one of the two happens, I'm thrilled. But I think, to, I think both of those, those goals might, might uh, fulfill themselves this season. So I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, a whole, whole lot more <clears throat> fun for your storylines this year than it is going to be for the Blackhawks. Because- yes.
1: Yeah, what do you got?
0: In terms of what get I got the number would,
1: one pick, is that your goal?
0: <laughs> yes, that would be lovely. Connor Bedard being a Blackhawk next summer would be step number uh, one. No, but I know, no. it, honestly, if, if the Blackhawks if they win that lottery, I'm for uh, probably if they get top three, I'm going to Nashville for sure. I mean, give, give me an excuse to go to Nashville for a week. I
1: don't want to have to root against Connor Bedard. I like
0: oh, it. oh, Blues fans are gonna be so salty if he becomes a Blackhawk. I'm looking forward to that day. Um, but for the Blackhawks, it's kind of funny because. They're in this really weird in between right now where um, a lot of their NHL roster, the majority of them, honestly, are probably not going to be part of this rebuild moving forward. There's a couple of young guys who are ready to, you know, be NHLers and will be rounding out the lineup. Sure. But for the most part, the next core wave for Chicago is, you know, either playing junior hockey or college hockey or down in the minors with the Rockford IceHogs. So middle school. I,
1: I, yeah. <laughs>
0: true yeah yeah he's at his graduation right now um but I think the biggest thing for the Blackhawks in terms of what a successful season would be is that they have some guys as I mentioned who are ready to step onto the scene a Lucas Reichel who was a first round pick in 2020 Alex Vlasic a big defenseman Alec Regula they have a couple guys who are ready to step onto the scene and if they can become full-time NHLers and just be regulars in the lineup this season, I think that's a win for the Blackhawks, considering how they're, they're looking about things in the future. If they can have more confidence in this first wave of guys that are coming through up to the NHL, uh, I, I think that's going to be a good start for where they're trying to head. But I also think, you know, a successful season this year would be, how the Rockford ice hogs do keeping an eye on these prospects. It's wow. something it's, it's sad. It's sad. This is where we're at. Down bud. This, is where, this is where we're at, bud. But for Rockford in particular, it's interesting because it's a really close group of guys. They were one of the youngest teams in the AHL last year and managed to qualify for the Calder cup playoffs. And a lot of that group is familiar with each other and they're going to be coming up together. And they're obviously establishing that chemistry already. So I think if those guys click again and, you know, they can make the AHL playoffs, that's something to look forward to. But it, like I said, it's just kind of weird because for the Blackhawks, other than, you know, solidifying a high pick in the 2023 NHL draft, what a lot of these guys do on their NHL roster won't really matter as sad as that is to say. So um, yeah, that's probably what I'd look at for a successful season. The other thing is how Luke Richardson is going to come in and make an impact under Jeremy Calliton, the previous head coach, It was honestly just a nightmare, especially the defensive system that they ran. It was a man-to-man structure that he had had success with when he was coaching over in Sweden. It was never good for the Blackhawks. Always on the wrong side of shots on goal, the analytics, there'd be like, I swear to God, three or four games a year where it seemed like they were in the positive. Luke Richardson is going to implement a zone structure, and if the Blackhawks defense as a whole can kind of you know, piece it together a little better than it's been the last couple of seasons, then I'll be confident that better days are to come for their defense as a group. So yeah, just a couple of little things, wins and losses aren't aren't going to be, you know, what determines this as a successful season for the Blackhawks, but um, just hopefully it's going to be a year where we're able to accumulate more prospects. We can maybe move Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane for some good first round picks or good young players Multiple guys in that group. So acquiring assets, getting as many as possible, trying to build back better for the future. Josh, this is what life is like in step one of a rebuild, bro. Don't mm-hmm. envy it.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, well, hopefully in a couple years down the line, we'll see some uh, headlines of Robert Thomas and hopefully not Connor Bedard, but but someone someone good besides Conor Bedard. Because I, I, like I said, I want the Blackhawks to be good. I love that rivalry. I would love for it to get re- reignited once the Blackhawks find their way back to relevance.
0: It's certainly my favorite rivalry that the Blackhawks have. I mean, and not even in a hatred way. It's just fun to go back and forth with the Blues, but they just haven't been at their caliber the past few seasons. So, yeah, hopefully 2025, 2026, we'll have some good Hmm. run-ins, Josh. Uh, but just want to thank you again buddy for coming on the show. I think that's going to wrap up this crossover episode of both Lockdown Blackhawks and Lockdown Blues. Just as a reminder, uh, be sure to go and follow the show. It's 100% for free wherever you get your podcast and go and subscribe to both Lockdown Blackhawks and Lockdown Blues on YouTube. And after the show, also go and tune into the Lockdown NHL podcast to get all caught up on everything that went down throughout the NHL off season. that's free and available on all platforms as well. So be sure to go and check out lockdown Blackhawks and our Lockdown NHL, excuse me, wherever you get your podcast. Once again, from Jack Bushman and Josh Hyman, thank you all for tuning into today's episode of lockdown blues and lockdown Blackhawks.